This episode of Uncovered, The Nakedness of Addiction and Recovery was pre-recorded on August 22nd, 2023, and is a Tread Waters production. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Uncovered, The Nakedness of Addiction and Recovery. I'm your host, Michael T., and I am accompanied by my lovely co-host, LT. Hey. Also known as my wife, um, for those of you who didn't know. And this episode is really special to me because I want to spend this episode commemorating uh, the passing of my one of my heroes, uh, one of my role models, my, my brother Charles. Your eldest brother, right? Yeah. Yeah, he passed um, last August. And so we had a beautiful Zoom get-together with my nieces and the rest of the family. But um, I'm going to dedicate this episode to talking about the legacy of Charles. So we talked a little bit about your brother's background. Yep. There's a lot. There's a lot. We didn't even get into his extraordinary um, career. I know. He was like a black superhero and stuff with just the things he did. Original Black Panther. Oh, yeah. He's he's like, I mean, if you look at his bio, he's a decorated NYPD officer. He served in the military. I mean, he, he did a lot. Yeah. He was a detective. He detective. Was a... He did undercover work. You know how much I've dreamed of doing undercover work. Didn't, didn't, didn't. For real, yeah. yeah. But and your brother I, got to do. I all was this. usually the one getting investigated. Oh though, gosh, but, yeah. all right. Well, yeah. and <laughs> so yeah, he was. He was. He was a great guy, man. And I think a part of me always wanted to. Be that way. Well, you know what? That brings yeah. me. I'm glad that you say that because I wanted to find out how your brother influenced your decision to embark on your path of recovery, or did he? Well, I don't know. Did he? Or yeah, and if he absolutely. did, how absolutely. how did that how did that come about? Well, absolutely. After, you know, all of the years of him talking and telling me, hey, you got to stop using drugs, you know, you got to stop doing this, you got to get your shit together. I think, Didn't you say he used to have a favorite word for you, for the brothers? Yeah, he used to call the brothers. His favorite word for, for his um, brothers. Only when you guys screwed up. Well, when we screwed up was, <laughs> you, you idiots. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, um, and I, I think that became a term of endearment for him when he talked uh, to to me and some of my brothers. But uh, I think his just his lifestyle, uh, the way he carried himself. Charles always walked with his head up high, his shoulders, you know, out, and he just looked like, you know, hey, larger than life. Yeah, I'm that guy. And I admire that, but because, but with humility because he yeah, never he, carried yeah, himself yeah, to me. He never guy. carried himself yeah, as yeah. if, you know, I'm you know I'm than, all yeah, that yeah. and then some. No, yeah. he he was always very put together. Yeah, he always if you if you saw my brother Charles, you would say that guy got his shit together. 
Yeah. And a part of me always wanted that. I always liked that part. I always admired that part. So I think later on in life, that was the one of the biggest influences he had on me to to get clean and sober and live uh, a product as a productive member of society. That's how. Yeah. That's, that's that's how he lived his life. Mm-hmm, yeah, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that's what influenced you to say, hey, because yeah. let me just say, Michael T, when yeah. we were uh-oh. first married, no, there's no uh-oh. When we were there's first married, there's never, there, well, sometimes okay. there yeah. is an uh-oh. Yeah. But this time, <laughs> it's not an uh-oh. It's it's, it's an oh-ho. Because, I mean, you were actually, when you were not, when you were not under the influence and you were sober, you were one of the best fathers out there. You were such a family man. As a matter of fact, I, I remember saying that that was, you know, I think that was like the the thing that really struck us the most. We were just so, oh my gosh, when yeah. uh, we yeah. talked about in that episode when you didn't go pick up the kids from the right, bus stop right, that right. time. I mean, you were you you, you yeah. coached, you know, basketball and baseball and. You know, just always with the kids. You were a real family man. And so did you pattern that after? I think I always had a little bit of Charles in me, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? I think, I, I, you know, the family man part, I think there was always a little bit of that in me. Um, because uh, just knowing him all those years, that's what I saw from him. And being he was the father figure in my life, that's what I saw. So I think, I think even... In uh, some way, he influenced me. Even in my, even when I was in my addiction, you know, I think he he had a positive influence on on my life, you know. Um, and that's what influenced your decision to to you know. Charles used to always say this thing to me. Him and my sister Juanita, they used to always say this to me, and it used to piss me off. It was like, Mike, you don't have a problem stopping drugs your problem is you can't stay stopped oh and that used to that used to hurt i let's, don't know if it used sit, to hurt let's or sit just there for to, a second yeah, i just you, need to you, let that marinate for y'all who aren't paying attention today so charles said you 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 don't have a you don't have an issue stopping you yeah. stop anytime it, you want it's just the staying stop. It's you know? staying stop. And, you know, I was really, really glad and proud when he saw me with like five years clean, you know, because Charles and my sister Juanita, I think they had some weird time limit in their head that like, okay, if Michael stays clean and sober for five years, he might be all right. <laughs> you know, because they had saw me, you know, I get clean and I go to them and I'd be like, hey, I'm sorry for stealing your shit. Hey, Charles, I'm sorry for lying to you, man. You know, I'm clean now. And then a year later, I'd be relapsed and I'd be back out at it again. You know, and they they went on that roller coaster with me for a good many years. Yeah, because you, know? you, you, yeah. you even I described think, yourself as a serial relapse. Yeah, and I think once they... Um, once Charles saw that I had gotten past that five-year threshold, <clears throat> then I think he started to say, okay, he may be all right, you know. And our relationship changed. You know, our relationship, it was it was cooler. You know, he would call me and we just talk about dumb stuff, 
you know, uh, it wasn't the Spanish Inquisition where he called me and grilled me about stuff he already knew well, I was doing because he was a detective. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> so it wasn't like that. So I think, yeah, it's, it's just his overall lifestyle um, and the way he lived his life uh, influenced me uh, to be where I am now, you know, 17 years clean and sober, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I am. I love that. I love that. So let me ask you this. What role did your brother play then as a source of support? Oh, in God. those challenging yeah. times, yeah. like was like was he the one that <laughs> oh. was okay, Mike? You can do it. You no. got this. Nope. Okay, nope. so then nope. was that he the was one that said, nope. "Nope, you you can come and you can hang out here." Nope. And you, okay, nope. so Listen, was he the you one? You have to embrace different types of support that okay. people give you when you're when you're when you're in your addiction. And some people will come to you and be like, "Oh, Michael, come on, you got this." Charles was like, listen, you need to stop getting high all the time. That stuff's going to kill you. And, you know, his type of support was, it was that tough love, like, don't bring that foolishness around me. He set up very firm boundaries, which I have learned that from him, that now I have really firm boundaries with people who I don't... um, I don't allow them to, to, to encroach on my, my, my space. And that's how Charles was. He was like, um, he was supportive of me, but he wasn't having my foolishness. Yeah. Ah, okay. So kind of like a tough love support. Yeah, it was a tough love. And, you know, and I, I'll go back to that father figure thing. I think he really felt, you know, like he needed to, to watch over me. He just did it in a very firm, uh, I, I like to say, use the term, uh, he's a no-nonsense nurturer, you know, kind of uh, that. Kind okay, of, like, okay. You know, now, what's but, a no-nonsense nurturer? Listen, I'm going to bring you along, but I'm not taking any of your bull with it. I'm going to bring you along, and I'm going to love on you, and I'm going I'm, I'm to help you get through this, but I'm not going to put up with any of your BS. And that's that. That was kind of how Charles and my relationship was for a good, for a good many of years. You know. Wow. Well, you know what? Hold it right there because we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, I want us to talk a little bit about making amends, in which it sounds like you might have had to do. I think my amends were more along the lines. Okay, don't tell me. As soon as we come back from the break. How about that? Sounds good. Uncovered the nakedness of addiction and recovery. We'll be right back. Okay. Hey, friends. This is Michael T., recovery coach, and most importantly, a recovering addict myself. And I'd like to share with you just a few suggestions that helped me through my grief. So should you find yourself in a grieving moment, Remember, one, it won't feel like this forever. Grief is a process, so let yourself grieve. Two, you're not alone. Lean on your support systems. Go to meetings and avoid isolation at all costs. Three, be gentle with yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Let go of blame. 
release regrets and all that negative stuff. Take hold of forgiveness. And four, stay sober as if your life depends on it because it really does. We're back and we left off right about when you were going to tell me something that you needed to make amends with Charles for. So let me ask you the specific question. Okay. What were some mistakes or a mistake, you know, that you made during your time of addiction, especially any action that may have strained your relationship with your brother? That is such a loaded question and it's long, but I'll I'll (laughs) do the best I can. Sorry. Um, So with Charles, there were things, uh, Charles wasn't one of those guys who you just go up and say, hey, I'm sorry I did this to you. Uh, that wasn't uh, the type of amends that he um, that he subscribed to. He was more about uh, your action walk. Speaking your action speaking louder than words. So but I, remember, I need to know the action I remember that you had to do prior time, to. I know, I know. What was the action that you did? I'm going to share with you the okay. action that I did. Go ma'am. ahead. Sorry. Okay, so one time, one of the things that I needed to make amends to Charles for was... One time I purchased a car in Pennsylvania and I purchased a car there and because I was living there. And then one Saturday after a three night binge, you know, I think it started on a Wednesday and, and I woke up on a Saturday. Now you lived in Pennsylvania For, after you after were re- in One rehab. of the many rehabs. And so I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to Carolina. So I take this car and I goes to Carolina. So you bought a car? Yep, bought a car. And they just gave you a car? They just gave me a car. Were you working? Did you have yeah, it? I had a job. I had a little job. I was working okay. at a restaurant. So okay. they gave me, a, they, I bought this car. What kind you know, was it? I don't remember. It was a piece of crap. But anyway, I bought this car and I, one Saturday, you know, just, it, that's how and it is being addicted. I just woke up one Saturday. I left the apartment and I left Pennsylvania and I went to North Carolina. Wait a minute, so it never occurred to you, I can, let me catch a flight to Pennsylvania. Let me let me catch a bus. You just thought, hey, I want to go to North Carolina, so I'm going to buy a car. Well, I bought today. the car to stay in Pennsylvania, <laughs> but I, I, I woke up that morning and I just was like, I'm going to Carolina. I'm going to see my sister. Now, so, how does the car, what does the car have to do so, with Charles? So I just, Drove the car to North Carolina, and I was initially I was going to visit for the weekend, but I ended up staying there for like four months, and I never paid for the car. So I kind of forgot that I used Charles as a reference on the car, and I used his contact information, his home address, his name, all of that. So after keeping the car for about four months and making zero payments, they was looking for the car. So long story short, they sent a person to his address to Charles' house and sat out in front of his house. So him being the detective he is, he approached a person who was posted up in front of his house and asked him, "Why are you in? Why are you out here?" The person told him, "Well, we're looking for Michael Treadwell." And? And Charles said, he doesn't live here. He's never lived here. He will never live here. 
get out of front of my yard. And so I had used Charles as a reference and, and when the car went missing, they tracked all that down and they went to the address that I gave them, uh, which was his. So I get a phone call in North Carolina and he is ranting. Now, how did he know you were in North Carolina? He oh, just knew my how sister, to reach you? No, my sister snitched. She told him I had been down there getting high and ripping and running and sleeping on her couch. So he knew. And so he called me and, oh, man, I don't even remember the conversation. I just know it was bad. So he let me have it. And, you know, I was like, I'm sorry, my bad. So I think I ended up leaving the car at some car dealership so they could come and pick it up finally and repo the car and stuff like that. But uh, I needed to make amends to him uh, about that. And I think one of the ways I did it was I, I just stayed in recovery, I, you know, because there was no telling him I'm sorry about that. But that 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 was a that was a tough time in our relationship. I I think we didn't speak for quite some time after that. You know, I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you, you know, was your behavior or any decision making that you had did it lead to any regrets that you may have had about missed opportunities to connect with your brother? Yeah, I think my biggest one of my biggest regrets. I have a lot of regrets. Uh, one of my biggest ones is is being absent, being absent from family reunions, being absent from uh, weddings and um, watching his girls grow up, you know, watching the girls grow up and having a relationship with them, you know, because my addiction kept me absent from a lot of that, you know, Um, and being that we, Charles and I were on different sides of the, of the fence. It's just especially the legal fence. Yeah, I mean, think about <laughs> it. He's he's law enforcement, and I'm lawbreaker. So there was there was always that friction between us, and I think that's one of my biggest regrets is that I I, I was absent a lot uh, from family situations and from situations where he and I could have probably bonded more. Yeah, but you know, I remember, I remember speaking one time with him and, you know, it didn't seem like he, he looked at your addiction as a disease. Mm -hmm. He didn't look at it as you were being a lawbreaker or you were trying to skirt the law. I think he, I think he really knew who you were. He He always liked me. Charles always liked me. Even when I was effing up, he always liked me. He just was not tolerant of of my foolishness. He just he just had no um he just he didn't like it. He, he just didn't like it. And you know, being in law enforcement, I think he saw a lot um from his work of what drugs how it destroys people's lives. And I think that was one of the things he just, he, he, he knew another side of it, you know, and he didn't want to see his little brother wrapped up in that, you know. Right. Uh, right. But I always felt like he, I always, I always felt, I always feel like I'm the favorite of the family, you know. <laughs> yes, you I do. always felt like I well, was the Well, you're the baby favorite. and they treat and, you like the baby. And, and I always felt like he liked me, 
he just he loved wasn't you. very tolerant of my behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't going to go down that road. Um, so you said that he was more big on actions rather than words. So Yeah, he wasn't, uh, you know, Charles wasn't going to have that. They come to him and tell him that you're sorry and then it not be backed up by any actions. He was very one of those, the proof is in the pudding. You know, I don't really know what that whole saying means, but anyway, uh, he was one of those people that he watched your walk. He watched your behaviors, not the, not the stuff you said, you know, especially coming from a person dealing with an addiction. You know, you, you know, I, I will tell you anything in my addiction. Yeah, but we're talking about, right. you know, in your recovery right. and making and, amends in your recovery. And well, what I'm hearing is that making amends in your recovery for your brother didn't come from you just right, giving right. a sincere apology saying, right. hey, man, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Right. He wanted to, to see you walk it out. Yeah. And he, he kept his distance until he saw that I was walking it out and, and, and living... Uh, living life as a uh, a person who not out breaking the law. So how was that making amends portion? How has that brought a sense of closure and healing for both you and the memory of your brother? I think one of the biggest things that I cherish the most about Charles and my relationship is that he actually got to see me live a significant amount of time clean and sober. You know, he actually got to see me uh, living uh, a, a, a good, uh, sober life in more than more than a few years. You know, uh, he got to see me doing stuff. I, I think I told him when I first talked to him about I was going to be working as a drug counselor. I think the first thing he told me he was like, you'll be good at it. <laughs> yeah. And that's how he was. That was part of his sense of humor. He was he said that to me and it was just such a dry way he said it, but it was funny. He said, "You'll be good at it." And I actually am. I'm pretty good at it. You're a wonderful counselor. Uh before he passed, did you have an opportunity to talk with him about your recovery at all or what life looks like for you now? Um, I, I did, I did. I had a lot of opportunities to, not as many as I I, I, I wish I had had, but we had, we had a lot of talk, uh, especially when we, we purchased this house. I talked to him a lot about that, and um, he he was okay with, with, with me, and I think... Um, when you say okay with you, what does that mean? I think he was okay in, in knowing that... I was gonna be all right. Um, when I last time I, I did get to see him, he was kind of not. He wasn't he was speaking. Non-verbal. He was nonverbal. Mm-hmm. But there was something in my spirit that told me that he was okay with. He and I were okay. And I, I can't describe that to you or put that in words to you. But I, I sat along his bedside, and I, I just had a feeling in my spirit that he was okay. That's a beautiful thing. With me. Hey, for the listeners out there who are in their recovery, what can you tell them about the importance 
of just making amends as a crucial step in their recovery? I tell you, one of the, 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 the things I think about that is that life comes at you fast and, and so does death. So you don't have as much time as you think you may have to make amends to people. So you got to go do it now. It's, it's not some, I think I wasted a lot of times not making amends to people because I thought I had more time with them. Mm. And you don't. You don't know. So right. I think, yeah, man, life comes at you fast. It's, it does. It does. It does. And you just don't know. Yeah. You just don't know. Hey, um, we're going to wrap it up here soon, but I just want to... One other question. Do me a favor and tell me about your brother's legacy. What does that mean to you? You know, as far as highlighting his, you know, his qualities, you know, that that you strive to incorporate in your everyday journey of recovery. I think if my legacy is half of what Charles' legacy is, I would be okay with that. Because from the way he lived his life, the decorated career, uh, the awesome nieces he left me with, and you know, I, I, I call them and I feel like, I feel like I, I just have such love for them, you know, and I call them and I send them these random weird texts and I know, I know they're saying, Uncle Mike just sent every all four of us a generic text. <laughs> and I do, because it's the same thing I say, and I just copy it and send it to all four of them, but I mean it in love. I think, that, I think that is part of his greatest legacy, him and his wife, my sister, Novella. I think the, the family that they raised, uh, the way he lived his life is just... He was a role model for me, but not just for me. You know, I think Charles was a role model for people in the neighborhood, uh, neighbors, uh, other kids that he didn't even really have a, 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 a biological con- connection to. But he was just a, he was a superhero. If, a su- if superheroes are walking the planet, my brother Charles was one of them. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that um, he was one of the one of those people who would make an impact on you, yeah. on anybody that yeah. that encountered him. Yeah, make if a you, positive impact on you. Yeah, if you ever met him, you would be you would be touched by him. You would be moved by him. You know, uh, his whole and another part of his legacy that I think was is is outstanding is that here's a guy whose whole life was surrounded by the mantra protect and serve and he was a police officer that's what he did but he also carried that into his family life because he protected his family Mm -hmm. and he served them and he watched over not just his family, but all of his siblings, all of us. He's always watched over us and served us. And, and you know, if we, you know, I can remember, you know, 
if mom ever needed something, guess who she was always getting on the phone calling? That's right. Charles. Well, and even now, Mm. he's still watching over his family. And we can say, well done, my good and faithful Faithful servant. Uncovered the nakedness of addiction and recovery. Hey y'all, Michael T here. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Uncovered. We appreciate you hanging out while we explore the nakedness of addiction and recovery. And if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, you can follow us on Spotify. And don't forget to rate and subscribe. Join us next week where we'll talk more about all things addiction and recovery related. And remember, stay sober as if your life depends on it. Because it does.